Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. You are listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Mile High Huddles, Chad Jensen, and Zach Kelberman. Freeman is back there, blocked by Leary, caught for the touchdown! A two-yard laser! Fumangali! From the University of Wisconsin. Third and goal of the one. Lindsey is in. Janovich the fullback. Janovich hit. Nice big hit there by Kendrick. He continues to dig. He's not. They call a touchdown. They call a touchdown on a one-yard jump inside. Trying to set up the screen to his tight end. No effect. He's got some room to run. He cuts it back at the 10. Takes it in. Touchdown, Denver. The first NFL touchdown for the rookie tight end out of Iowa. And so caught, touchdown, Cortland Sutton. His fifth career touchdown, but his first here in Denver. And now, here are Broncos Country's football priests to help you exercise the demons of another doomed season. I am exercise the demons. This house is clear. All right. And we are live. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach Each of us, both you and I, have a little egg on our face after our pick for the NFC, well, to to win it all. The New Orleans Saints went Mm. down today. They lost. It came down to the final play once again. But, uh, hey, man, at least the Patriots got knocked out of this thing in the first round for the first time since, what is it, I think 2010 or 2011. The AFC Championship game will feature two teams, none of which, neither of which I should say, are the Patriots. The Patriots dynasty, can we say, Chad, is officially crumbled. I mean, I think it's time now. Brady might play for another team next year. They just didn't have it this season. They don't have the offensive firepower. And I know all of the country was rooting for the Patriots to lose. It was good to see the Titans win. But the Saints game, Chad, I mean, I thought they would win the, the entire enchilada. To go out in the first round to lose to the Vikings, I was definitely surprised by that. But I will say Mike Zimmer is a legit coach. Gary Kubiak's doing a hell of a job there in Minnesota. So uh, hats off to him. I'm just I'm curious to see next week, in particular in the AFC, how Lamar Jackson handles a first round bye and being the number one seed, and whether or not the Kansas City Chiefs can, you know, kind of overcome last year's bad juju of getting to the AFC championship game, getting out to a lead, blowing it, 
and at home, no less. It's right. really cool that three of well, let's see who's the who's the fourth team I'm missing. So Houston, Deshaun Watson, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. Who's the other team? I'm having a break. Tannehill. Titans. That's right. So three of the four quarterbacks in the AFC playing in division round weekend are young quarterbacks drafted within the last three years. And I think that's exciting mm-hmm. and speaks well for what the, you know, the direction the NFL is going. And even Ryan Tannehill, he's on team number two, but he's a former first round pick. I think it was tw- 2012, if I'm not mistaken. So that's encouraging at least. Yeah, the Broncos kind of launched Tannehill's ascension to starter by knocking Mariota out of that game that the Broncos won against the Titans. But it says a lot about the direction of the league, like you said, Chad, but also the Broncos finally also had that young quarterback as well. So it just kind of lends credence to Elway going for the youth movement. They're part of that young clique now who are going with a young up-and-coming quarterback and not riding or dotting with retreads. As you've seen, as you just laid out, retreads and these these Band-Aid quarterbacks, it's not the way to go in today's NFL. So who do you have then? We gotta we gotta redial in. Then we'll we'll bring in Eric Trickle, our senior draft analyst at MileHighHuddle.com. Who do you have making it to the Super Bowl first and foremost in the AFC? And the, I, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm with you. I think that Mahomes a little more advanced than Lamar Jackson this time of year. Their defense kind of came around from last season. And I just think that the inexperienced Lamar Jackson will catch up to them after a while. The Mark Ingram injury as well. I do. And I know it's taboo to say about the Chiefs, but I do think they will break through this season and make it to the Super Bowl, Chad. I agree. I think it's going to be the Chiefs. And I know Broncos fans aren't going to love that, but... You know, they kind of got it coming. They've been waiting a long time, and finally all the stars have aligned for them. This is arguably, it might be, well, no, they got a little bit more time, 17, 18, 19, 20. Next year will probably be their last year that they can operate under this, you know, uh, cost-controlled version of the Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs before they're going to have to pay the man, probably going to be a record-breaking contract. So they got this playoff run maybe next year, depending on when the, the brass in Kansas City ultimately decides to pay him. So we'll see how it shakes out. NFC, who you got? I did say the same, so I don't know if I'm the best person to ask, but I, I happen to believe the Niners are pretty legit as well. Offense and defense, very well coached with Kyle Shanahan. Um, you can't really discount the Seahawks, even though they kind of eke by the uh, the uh, Eagles today. They still have Russell Wilson, who is playing like an MVP candidate. But gun to my head, I'm going with the Niners. I think that'd be a really fun matchup. Niners versus Chiefs, two young quarterbacks, two great coaches. I think it'd be a good game for all of us. I'm picking the Vikings, mm. and it's going to suck. Because it, it's going to make Elway look bad. Not It wasn't Elway's fault, per se, that Gary Kubiak chose to step down following the 2016 season. But the way that thing kind of unfolded when, you know, just the whole, we're, we want to foist you upon Fangio and Fangio saying, well, I want to choose the assistants and Kubiak mm-hmm. wanting all his control and all this just didn't work out. When that happens, if it happens, I should say, it's it's just not going to reflect well on John Elway and the Broncos, but Hey, you know what? The Broncos have good things going their direction. We're going to talk about that today. They're going into an off season with finally having landed on the guy, a lot of great pieces. They've now stacked two draft classes back to back. If they can do it back to back to back with the 12 picks. And we're going to talk to Eric trickle about these 12 picks uh, this year, plus the 70 plus million they're going to have to spend in free agency. We could be talking about the Broncos in the tournament this time next year. And we're, we're going to get to that and invite Eric on here in just one second. Let me just quickly 
take care of a couple of matters of business. You guys make sure you are following the show on Twitter at huddle up pod, simply the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to head on over to Apple podcasts and leave a creative review on the show kills two birds with one stone. It's a great organic way to support the show. It also enters you into our monthly giveaway each, each uh, month, Zach and I, at the end, we randomly select a couple of reviewers and give away some swag, whether it's a hat, whether it's a shirt, whether it's a beanie. We're going to have a merch store coming here within the next few days. So be ready for that and, and some other cool stuff cooking as well. But if you want to get in on that, spend, take some time, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a creative review, and it could be you. And we appreciate all of you who support the show by yes. going on over there. It's a, it's just an organic way. It helps to get the show out in front of new potential listeners. So that's how you do it. All right. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Ram Power Days is going on now with our most powerful lineup of trucks ever. Hurry in and don't just feel the power, own it. And right now, get 0% APR financing plus $3,000 total bonus cash allowance on 2022 Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cab models equipped with a gas-powered V6 engine. Don't miss this great offer. Visit Ram.com to find your local Ram dealer today. Financing for all qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 1031-22. Let's welcome in. Let me grab him real quick and set this up. Let's welcome in Eric Trickle. He is the man. He is the myth. He is the legend. He is the senior draft analyst for milehighhuddle.com. He's been with me dating all the way back to actually before Mile High Huddle was founded. But Eric, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Good. Oh, dude, we are just vibing off of this playoff <laughs> weekend. What uh, what's, what's your pick now with considering the four teams going – well, the eight teams going into the divisional round? Who do you got going all the way? I have it as the Packers winning the NFC and for the AFC, I really don't have an, I have a clue. I mean, I want to go to the chiefs, but at the same time being a Broncos fan, I don't want to, <laughs> but, um, but somehow I think the Ravens actually somehow get it done. Hmm. That'd be interesting. Well, guys, we've invited Eric, of course, one of the co-hosts of Dove Valley deep divers. I'm sure you guys listen to the, to his podcast that usually comes out either Saturday nights or Sunday mornings. You get to hear him at least once a week, but we wanted to invite him onto the show because we've been getting increasingly Zach and I more and more and more draft related questions and what better person to talk to and, and find out what's going on than the man who spends a ridiculous amount of time 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm telling him in like September, he's sending me mock drafts. He's sending me scouting reports for the upcoming draft. I'm like, dude, this is a sick maniac when it comes to the draft. Now I use the, the E word. Okay. He's a real expert when it comes to the draft. He knows these prospects. He knows the class. He knows, you know, strengths, weaknesses, where they're going to fall, where they're projected. There's still a lot of time left in the pre-draft process for these prospects to kind of make their, their case for the draft and ultimately where their stock ends up come draft day, but Eric's got his finger on the pulse of that. And he's been doing it for the last, well, it's a, it's a 12 months a, a year thing for Eric. So you guys get your draft related questions going. We'll pull them here in the, in the comment stream. But first off, um, Eric, I wanted to, Zach and I, we wanted to get your thoughts on pick 15. So the Broncos sitting there, that's, that's the, the placement they've been given with their seven and nine finish. We keep hearing a bunch of names. Like we were talking about this before we went live in a perfect world. I'd love to get a, a Jeffrey Okuda at pick 15. Probably pretty unrealistic, though, that he's going to be there. Probably pretty unrealistic the Broncos will have a chance at him without moving up in the draft. So I'm curious to know, um, Eric, what are, you know, give me three or four prospects that you like that could fit with the Broncos at pick 15 that realistically, reasonably could be there. Well, the one that stands out that most Bronco fans want is Henry Ruggs of Alabama, the true speedster. I mean, I've spoken to some people around the NFL, and they're all expecting him to probably break a sub 4-240, if not the run in a, the very low 4-240s. Guy can take the top off a of defense. Any kind of offense he can fit into. I have concerns about his route running, but with that kind of speed, it's not, it's not a super big deal. LaVisca Chennault, he's a guy that a lot of Broncos fans will know because he plays with the Colorado Buffaloes. Big guy, you want to get the ball in his hands because he is so good after the catch. He kind of moves and reads defenses like a running back. Isaiah Simmons, a linebacker, an athletic guy who can go out there and be a true cover linebacker that the Broncos have been kind of missing. Alexander Johnson and Todd Davis both had pretty good years, but in coverage they were they were just lacking. Javon Kinlaw, he's a guy who I has tremendous upside. If you want to get a true disruptor on that interior defensive line, he can fit tremendously into this Broncos defense. I mean, then you've got a guy that I really like in Isaiah Wilson. He's an offensive tackle from Georgia, and as well as A.J. Epineza, a defensive lineman from Iowa. But a lot of people view him more as an edge, but he plays at two, He played at 280 pounds this year for Iowa, and he could he can reasonably bulk up another 10, 15 pounds and play, a, play 290, 295 and play that defensive end spot for the Broncos. Now, Eric, you know, you kind of touched on it with the wide receivers. I'm really coming around to that idea of the Broncos going receiver at 15. Now, if one of them falls, let's say they have their pick of Ruggs or Lamb or, or someone else like Chenault, who would you personally go with that would fit the Broncos scheme the best? Well, if Lamb is there, you got to take him. I mean, he isn't. he doesn't have that true speed that can really stretch a defense, but he is such a tremendous receiver. He reminds me a lot of a mixture of DeAndre Hopkins and um, – I can't think of the other receiver off the top of my head right now who he reminds me of. But he, is just, he is just such a good receiver. He's my top receiver in the class. I don't expect him to get past Jacksonville. I think that's his floor in the draft. But if he's definitely there, he's the guy that I think you have to take just because he is such a talented receiver. Now, Tristan Wirfs is a name that a lot of fans have, have heard a lot about up to this point. Is there any shot in H-E double hockey sticks that this guy's there at 15? <laughs> It, it's kind of hard to say because a lot of it's going to depend on what Washington does with Ron Vera as the new head coach and if they're able to mend it in any kind of relationship with Trent Williams. A lot of people, myself included, compare Tristan Wirfs to Trent Williams, so mm. that's just a natural replacement there. 
But, I mean, there's other teams that could possibly need a tackle. Fortunately, there's three really good ones in this draft with Jedrick Wills and Andrew Thomas being the other two. But, I mean, you've got to get – Tristan Wirfs has, has to get by the Arizona Cardinals, the New York Jets, possibly the New York Giants as well, and a few other teams too. That It's just kind of – it's not unreasonable, but it's doubtful that to see Tristan Wirfs fall to 15. Sorry, Zach. You Go ahead, and we'll, then we'll grab Larry's question. I just wanted to say that we could all agree that Broncos' biggest needs are on the offensive line, linebacker, secondary, wide receiver. I, Eric, where would you go at 15? If you, if you were making the call, you were John Elway, where would you go, all things considered, all cards on the table, at 15 overall? Well, obviously it's going to depend on who's being there. But for me, right. if Javon Kinlaw's there, that's the guy I'm going to get. He reminds me so much of the former Mississippi State Bulldog, Chris Jones, that Denver mm-hmm. Broncos fans – have had to deal with twice a year for the last few years. And he just has that, that high of a ceiling to just completely take over games on the interior defensive line. And with a player like Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb on the outside, being able to get that consistent interior pressure that the Broncos have been lacking would just make this defense so much better. All right. Let's grab this question from Larry, one of our super chat superstars with a $10 donation. Appreciate you, bro. He says, what do you guys think about getting rid of Joe Flacco and bringing in Trevor Simeon as a backup? (laughs) He's a good locker room guy and has some familiarity in this offense and uh, can, I'm not sure what it is, you know, start a few games in case of injury. So there is some value in terms of the utility of you need that guy, a veteran guy that's got some starts under his belt that can bridge the gap between, uh, you know, two to three weeks if you need to turn to him because your starter got hurt. Let's start with Eric as our guest here tonight. Your answer for Larry. Uh, I just don't think that Trevor Simeon's a viable option. I think the bridges between him and Denver are burned. But I definitely think that getting rid of Joe Flacco is a very high possibility for the Broncos this year. I mean, I, I was a bigger Simeon fan than most, but I agree with Eric. I don't think he'd come back to Denver. And they pretty much have a Simeon clone on the roster in Brandon Allen as a as a high upside backup number two. I'd rather roll with him. He knows the system and rather than bring back a guy like Simeon. Here's uh, one of our friends, Pranked Films, jumps in with a $5 donation on Super Thank Chat. You says, would you rather see Denver draft a receiver or a corner in the first round? Keep in mind that Denver has had bad luck with corners in the draft. Eric, keeping it just, you know, keeping it limited to corner or receiver, if push came to shove at pick 15, what would you rather see the Broncos do? And I know it's dependent on how the board falls. but Personally, I would really like to go see them go get that receiver. Cortland Sun has been great, but they lack a true number two, and even to me, a number three receiver. They definitely have to improve those offensive weapons for Drew Locke. And so a guy who can go and create spacing for Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant, plus the running backs out of the backfield, that's just so that's so valuable that you just can't pass it up if it's there. Our number one superstar on Super Chat, Stu, jumps in Thank with you, a twenty dollars donation on Super Chat. You're the man, Stu. We love you. We'll uh, keep an eye out here for any questions that you throw in the stream. Longtime listener of the Huddle Up podcast, Jacob Smith. He says, with the Broncos' emphasis on the past two drafts on character, leadership, and team captains, who are some players they could target with those premium picks in the first three rounds that kind of fit that bill? Eric, what do you think? surprisingly, one of the few things that I actually haven't done yet is go and line up who are team captains and all that stuff just yet. It's a little bit rough to do during the season, but as overtime comes out, there's going to be more about the character and leadership. So it's kind of hard for me to answer right now, just simply because I haven't done the work yet. Yeah, and that's okay. Travis says, uh, thank you guys for everything you guys do, and thank you for letting us know about the upcoming draft classes. Appreciate you, Travis. Uh, Buana Beast, longtime listener of the show, who moves into the number three offensive tackle spot with Leatherwood going back to Bama. 
and how steep is the drop off from Andrew Thomas to Tristan Wirfs there? Well, for me, Alex Otherwood wasn't the number three offensive tackle. He was the number four offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. The number three number three spot for me is actually Andrew Thomas with Jedrick Wills being number two or number one, and then Tristan Wirfs being either the number other number one or number two. And moving up in that spot for me is Isaiah Wilson, the right tackle from Georgia. He's a guy that a lot of people didn't think would come out this year. He's a redshirt sophomore, but he's just – I really like his play overall. He's He's got some movement. He's got the size. He's got some power to him, and I think he can be a really good tackle in the NFL, either on the right side or left side. What's your take? Now, this is something that, that Zach and I have been spitballing on the show now, gosh, since about week nine trying to get Broncos country to accept the reality that it's going to be Garrett Bowles as the incumbent starter at left tackle again in his fourth year, which will be, of course, 2020. Do you see the Denver Broncos picking up his option here in the spring? They have till about draft time to make that decision. I don't think they'll end up picking up his option. This is a team that they they want to upgrade it, but with his play, especially after the bye week, they don't feel it necessary to upgrade the position because he did play so well. He was one of the best offensive tackles since the bye week in the NFL. So I don't see they still want to, but I don't think that it's a force for them to do it. And for that reason that they're just kind of iffy about it, I don't see them picking up that fifth-year option. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Ram Power Days is going on now with our most powerful lineup of trucks ever. Hurry in and don't just feel the power, own it. And right now, get 0% APR financing plus $3,000 total bonus cash allowance on 2022 Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cab models equipped with a gas-powered V6 engine. Don't miss this great offer. Visit Ram.com to find your local Ram dealer today. Financing for all qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital. Not all buyers will qualify. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery by 1031-22. Okay, let's grab one here from Tim. He says, who are others at the cornerback position outside of Jeffrey Okuda who are worthy of a pick at number 15? Eric, you would know this one easy. Well, Christian Fulton, it all depends on his tackling. He's had some tackling issues this year, but his tape against Alabama is spectacular. And that right there is enough to just kind of keep him in that range for me. And I think that he can be a tremendous fit in the Broncos scheme. But against Alabama, there was another corner in Trevon Diggs for the uh, Crimson Tide. And he's another guy who he does very well playing off coverage and in that zone reading, keeping his eyes in the backfield. I do think that he would be a little bit better in a press zone but I think he is a good fit for this. And both those guys are definitely worth that spot at 15. Eric, how, how conf- sorry, Ted, how confident are you that Akuda is going to fall to 15? If he does, how confident, you know, on a scale of one to 10, let's say. 
uh, zero. I don't. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think he gets past five. I'm, and that's pushing it. I think that he would either be going to the Detroit Lions or the New York Giants. That's where I feel that he is going to end up going. With Derek Brown most likely being the other one. Figured. Okay. Okay. Here's one from Amaro, nineteen eighty three, and this is one we can take around the horn, guys. Question: Locke is the guy, but who's going to be number two and number three? Seems like a backup quarterback is more important now than ever before. See the entire 2019 season and current playoffs, which is good point. Seeing uh, uh, what's his Carson Wentz, geez, the name about escaped me, go down quite early in that game today. In fact, that was that was quite a bummer to see. Although it was cool to see McCown get his first action in a playoff game, it was a tragedy for Philadelphia Eagles fans, that's for sure. But back to the question, Zach, I'm going to start with you on this one. Who do you think is going to be that number two and number three? Or, or maybe the better question is, is the backup quarterback for the Denver Broncos in 2020 currently on this roster? My hot take is the Broncos are not going to acquire a quarterback this offseason, either a veteran or a rookie. I think they're going to go with with what they have right now in Drew Locke. They have two young backups in Brandon Allen and Brett Rippon, two developmental types for Scangarello. I don't see the need to bring in another high-priced quarterback like Flacco or a rookie quarterback. So I think the backup is on the roster right now, Chad. What do you think, Eric? I think that they'll bring in another quarterback, probably a rookie in the later rounds, somewhere day three, to just compete with Brett Rippon and kind of push Brendan Allen a little bit. But I think that the number two spot is definitely Brendan Allen's, and then that number three spot will be a practice squad spot between Brett Rippon and whoever they do bring in. Keeping our focus on the draft, here's another good one from Tim. What about some possibilities for interior offensive line picks in rounds two through three? Eric, what do you got? Well, there's two guys that health is going to matter a lot, and that's Natane Muti from Fresno State. Not sure I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, but he has some serious medical red flags that are could possibly fall him to probably mid-late day three even. But if he is cleared all fine and everything, then he can go as early as probably mid-round two. Trey Smith out of Tennessee, he's another one. He was diagnosed with blood clots in his lungs in October 2008, and there were some medical concerns as well. Cesar Ruiz, he's a center from Michigan that's really rising up. Lloyd Cushenberry, the center from uh, LSU, he's another guy that I like a lot. Jake Hansen, center from Oregon. Solomon Kinley, he's an interior offensive lineman. I'm questioning his fit in the Broncos scheme. I mean, he does have some movement skills, but he's a big guy, about 340 pounds, so he's definitely going to be better in a power gap scheme. But if they want smarts, if they want a guy who's going to sit there and really be the leader of your defensive or your leader of your offensive line and just be able to read the defense and just call out everything, then Darrell Williams out of Mississippi State would be a good guy to go get. Terry Randall jumps in with a – Donation of fifty Canadian dollars on oh. Super Chat. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Terry. Appreciate that. that for sure. to all of us. We appreciate yes, that. Edward jumps in and five dollar donation. Thank he you, said, Edward. "Do you think the Broncos make the playoffs next year?" This is one that we can go around the horn and let our hair down a little bit. We've we've touched on it a little bit, Zach and I. But Eric, what are your thoughts on on whether or not Elway answered it right quickly off the cuff? Yes, when he was asked whether or not that's a realistic expectation for twenty twenty, Vic Fangio kind of dissembled. Well, depends on how many wins we get. Well, no kidding, no s h i t Sherlock. Right? What's your take on that? I think it definitely depends on what they do this offseason. There is still enough holes on this team to not be super confident that they can. But they have the money, they have the draft picks, and they have the cap space to go out and fill those holes. And who knows what progress that Vic Fangio, Rick Scangarello, and Drew Locke, and all these other young players and coaches are going to make in their second year. It's definitely a very, very likely possibility, but it's really going to depend on the progress and what additions they make. What are your thoughts, Zach? 
I'm mostly with Eric. I will say that at the very minimum, I expect them to compete in the in the playoff seating next December. They'll be playing for a wild card spot more than likely. Nine and seven, ten and six range, I believe, for Denver. If all goes according to plan, like Eric said, if they build up the team, if they surround Locke with weapons, if they take care of their franchise quarterback and the coaching kind of coalesces, they should be in the wild card mix next year. Chad, that's my prediction. I, I'm still a little bit skeptical because of how badly the Chiefs trumped them. I mean, both games this year. And it one one was with Flacco, one was with Locke. Ugly in both cases. I, I'm doubtful they're going to be able to compete for the division crown, but I don't think that double-digit wins, which should, in theory, put you in the wild card hunt, is completely off the table. But it has a lot to do with the answer to this question from Terry. He says, with the responsibility of the most of the D-line, or with the possibility of most of the D-line not coming back, and who and where do we take someone in the draft or who in free agency? So Eric's talked about Javon Kinlaw as an option on the D-line. Broncos could potentially look at it at pick 15. Who are some other guys? And mix and match, if you know anyone off the top of your head free agency-wise, Eric, that other than Chris Jones, that's someone we've talked about before. But who are some ideas to restock this D-line in the event that the Broncos are not able to get either Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris, or Adam Gotsis brought back? Well, for me, I think that one, a few names that the Broncos are going to be keeping an eye on because they are actually still under contract for next year is Calais Campbell. The Jaguars, they only have like 800 million or 800,000, sorry, in cap space next year. And that is with them getting the full projected $200 million cap space Hmm. or salary cap. So that's going to be a huge thing. He would free like $14.5 million of cap space for him. So he's one name to definitely keep an eye on. And of course, Akeem Hicks. There's been some rumors going around that he's not the best fit in Chuck Pagano's defense there in Chicago. So they might want to part ways there. And obviously, Vic Fangio, the former Bears defensive coordinator, obviously the match is there. But as for the draft, I think one guy that would be tremendous in this scheme would be Justin Matabuike out of Texas A&M. This guy is super athletic, very freakish. He's he's definitely going to rise up boards a lot. For me, he carries a early third-round grade. But the scouting combine is a chance for him to really show just how athletic he is and just really shoot up draft boards because on defensive line, especially we're seeing more and more coaches and teams go for those athletic freaks that they can just coach up in technique and stuff. And he is definitely one of those guys. And then lucky Foto, he's another one out of Utah that I think could very help that really help himself if he shows to be a better athlete than people are projecting him to be. And another big boy that's got experience playing at altitude. Yep. I've got, I've gotten some good looks at him. Here's one from Larry jumps back in $10 donation. Larry, you're the man says, is there a player in this draft that Denver trades up to the 11th or even higher spot to ensure someone doesn't take the player higher on their board? I think a lot of that will come down to, obviously, the price to move up. John Elway is kind of stingy when it comes to trading up because he just wants to hold on to future picks. So I have a hard time seeing them do that, but I think one player that they possibly could is Henry Ruggs. There's been a lot of people out there connecting Henry Ruggs to the Broncos, Benjamin Albright being one of them, and I've heard a lot of talk that they do really like him. But he still has to actually declare, and there's been some speculation he won't. But if there is one player that I really think they could, it would definitely be him. Tristan Wirfs would possibly be another, but I don't expect him to fall that far. If you could bring back one of those three, now when the Broncos opened this season, that was their entire starting defensive line. Adam Gotsis, Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris. Gotsis eventually lost his starting spot. Wolf eventually got hurt. And then Harris was moved from nose tackle to defensive end where he began where he finally flourished. But let me start with you, Zach. If you could bring back one of those guys and you could only bring back one, who's it gonna be? I think it's a no-brainer. You bring back Shelby Harris, who has position flexibility. Who he's he's first entering his prime now. He he you know 
dominated in the Vic Fangio system. He doesn't have the injury factor like Derek Wolf. Adam Gossett, to me, was mostly a second-round bust, Chad. He did nothing in his tenure with Denver. He needs to move on already. So it's not a question to me. I throw the bank, not the bank, let's say, but I would make Shelby Harris a pretty nice size offer. Eric, I think you are you share a brain with me on this a little bit closer in terms of having a sentimental kind of connection for old Derek Wolf. But who, who of those trio, I mean, if you had to get down to brass tacks, you're trying to stretch those dollars and get as much value out of that as possible, but you want some continuity on your D-line, which one of those three you bring him back? I'm going with Derek Wolf. I mean, Shelby Harris, yes, he was great at batting down passes, but four of his sacks this year were very low quality. They were coverage sacks that happened three seconds after the snap or plays where the defensive or the other pass rushes were forced the quarterback to move into him. And he wasn't that good as a run defender. He was absolutely terrible playing the nose tackle position for the Broncos those first four weeks. And he's just so inconsistent. I mean, he had sacks in three different games, six sacks on the season, three different games. And when you're playing a full 16 game season, that's just not cutting it for me. Derek Wolf, his sacks were a little bit more high, higher quality, a little bit more consistent, especially as a pass rusher and a run defender. And he got, I mean, it took until I think it was week 16 for Shelby Harris to actually get more uh, more total pressures than Derek Wolf had on the season in far fewer games. So he's supposed to, Shelby Harris is supposed to be a pass rusher, but he just didn't really show it. And three sacks against Minnesota, that's great. Two sacks against the Chiefs, that's great as well. I mean, especially with how hard Patrick Mahomes can be to break down. But it just comes down to Derek Wolf was far more consistent. I think he'd be a little bit cheaper as well. And for me, I think Shelby Harris is going to be asking for $12, $13 million on an average per year basis, and he isn't worth it. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. The world is always on. But you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's sleeping spree event, save up to 50% on ceiling. With queen mattresses starting at $349.99. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. That's what I was going to ask next is what you guys thought cost-wise it's going to take to get Shelby Harris back. Because the one thing I'll say, and this is something I can't dispute when it comes to like Zach's take, for example, on the Wolf versus Harris, which one do you bring back? Which one do you prioritize is the availability issue. Shelby Harris, you know, even though this year was his first year as an incumbent starter game in game out, he's kind of been a rotational backup up until this point. But still, he's been consistently available for his team, whereas, you know, Derek Wolf, he's he's endured his fair share of injuries over the years. And it's fair to question at what point 
you know, you're, you're, when you're throwing money out there, salary cap dollars that you're, you know, pissing it in the wind. And so that's the biggest thing is you wonder how that elbow's doing. You wonder how his neck's doing. Shelby Harris is a little bit younger. He's actually a lot older than I thought he was. Shelby Harris is 29 years old. So he's not that much younger than Derek Wolf, surprisingly. But uh, it's something we'll have to monitor as time goes on. Let's grab this one from your podcast partner here, Eric. Lance Sanderson, Mile High Huddle Analyst. He says, who would you prefer as a mid-round prospect that could be the receiving back for the Broncos offense? I really like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as an all-around kind of guy. I would love it if Denver picked up Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's one of my favorite backs in this class. He can block. He can run. He can be that receiver out of the backfield as well. He's just do it all for for you, and he's – Played with really good in a really good offensive system at LSU. Uh, another back is Najee Harris out of Alabama. Big receiver type, bigger body, not as quick, but his vision's really good. But my favorite one for the Broncos would be Kayshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt, just because as a runner, he fits tremendously in the scheme. And I think that he offers more upside as a receiver than other people do. All right, let's grab this one from Jason, one of our Super Chat studs. He says, Riggs is an equivalent to Tyreek Hill in Kansas City. We need him to help beat Kansas City. And that's one thing as far as what the speed can do. I mean, if you're wondering how speed can kill you in the NFL and how you can make that work, look no further than the Kansas City Chiefs, who do a great job of utilizing that speed offensively, guys, both laterally in their offensive attack and vertically. And that's something that the Broncos have lacked, man. It would be something else to see Zach's uh, a dynamic speed demon like Riggs catching balls from Mr. Drew Locke. Yeah, that's a speed demon receiver Bro. not named Brendan Langley or Emmanuel Sanders. Nice to have some youth in that in that receiver room. I fully agree with that, and that's why I think receiver is – I've come around to that in the first round, not so much offensive line, Chad. Eric, here's one from Jordan. Is there a gem projected to go in the middle to late rounds – that could be an instant impact type player to this team. Anyone you got your eye on? There is one guy. He plays linebacker for, I want to say, Appalachian State. I'm pretty sure it's Appalachian State. And that's Akeem Davis-Gaither. And he is so good in coverage. He's probably one of the best coverage linebackers there are in this draft. And But most guys that are good in coverage, you typically see them be a little bit more problematic against the run, especially taking on blockers. But that's not so much the case with Akeem Davis gather. He does a really good job by taking on blockers with technique and getting off them to make a play. And this is one guy, I think he had like nine pass deflections this year with two interceptions or something like that. Just ridiculous in coverage, moves so quick and swiftly. And he's definitely that he's a poor man version type of Isaiah Simmons. So Mm. here's one from Dean says he's a first time listener. Well, welcome, Dean. Welcome to the manger, my brother. He says, are players like Humphrey and the center from Wisconsin, neither of Zach or myself know how to pronounce that dude's name, by the way, the Wisconsin center, a possibility <laughs> in round two? Eric, your thoughts? I definitely think that center is a possibility. I think that it depends on what way they want to go. If they want to go more tougher with the mean streak, then Creed Humphrey is your guy. If they want to go smarter, but maybe not as high of an upside, then Tyler Bietas out of Wisconsin would be their guy. But the guy I actually really like for the Broncos in the scheme is Nick Harris out of Washington. Okay, keep an, keep an eye on that name, you guys. We'll grab a couple more, and then we'll wish you a good uh, close to your weekend. From Josh Johnson, thoughts on how Jerry Judy will perform at the Combine compared to the others in the wide receiver class could you see that hurt his his draft stock, Eric? I think that Judy is just kind of falling out of favor with, at least in the public eye, as 
all the love for Henry Ruggs and CD Lamb is going around, but I don't think that he will have a bad enough combine to really see him fall. I think that he's going to run well. He's going to have tremendous routes. That's one his one of his strongest suits, and he's just going to just perform very very well, if not excellently, at the combine and just cement himself as probably a top 13, 14 pick. All right, let's grab this one here, and then we'll cut you loose, Eric. It says from Terry. Who are the best sixth and seventh round prospects? So, you know, to maybe make this a little bit more applicable to the Denver Broncos, you do your Finding Broncos series, your written articles that you do at milehighhuddle.com. Sometimes they're individual scouting reports on a player where you go through pros, cons, how they fit into an offense or a defense, et cetera, and then where you project them to go. Sometimes you'll do a Finding Broncos article that's listing, you know, 11 late round gems on offense or whatever. For Terry here, who's wondering who some later round prospects could be for the Broncos, have you been able to circle any any names at that um, in that case? I have, and at this point, it's still hard because there's so much draft process left. I mean, we have the Shrine Game, the Senior Bowl Scouting Combine, all this stuff. But there's a there's plenty of names out there. I think that Nick Buchanan is one. He's an interior offensive lineman out of Florida. There is a offensive tackle out of Kansas State, Scott France, who. I think talent-wise, he is definitely a late day two, early day three pick. But I think because of the fact that he is he's gay, that he's going to fall because NFL teams just aren't going to be okay with that, as we saw with Michael Sam. I think that if you want to look at running backs and Darrington Evans, or if he comes out, Kennedy Brooks out of Oklahoma would be a tremendous one. But one guy that I really like that's a running back too that could be had there later is Levante Bellamy out of Western Michigan. Very quick, really good hands, good in space, just a good overall player. But there is a one corner in particular that I'm really looking at, and that is Jerron Bryant out of Fresno State. Tremendous fit in this Broncos scheme that they run, and I think that he can be just a tremendous player for, I mean, not a true number one corner, but he could be a very good number two, number three corner in the NFL. This one here is from uh, Jason. He says, Sorry about that. I meant rugs, not rigs. It was a typo, but it's worth another five bucks to help the show. Appreciate <laughs> Jason. I know you got me there, dude. I was saying rigs and what we all know who you, who you were talking about and who I was talking about. So it's all good, brother. Alessandro wants to know what's your take on uh, Austin Jackson from USC and Josh Jones from Houston as possible second round picks, Eric. I mean, if, if Austin Jackson is there in the second round for the Broncos pick, I'd be all aboard that. I've seen a lot of people talking about him as a pickup or possibility at 15. I'm not so much for that. He's very athletic, but his technique is still very, very problematic. And at the combine, if he is able to show more improvement, more consistency with his technique, then I'd be a lot more open to it. And Josh Jones is very similar to that. His technique is still a little bit raw and still needs quite a bit of work. Second round is a little bit high for me right now. I have him as an early third round pick, but depending on how the combine goes, same with Jackson, he could definitely rise up and help himself. All right. Last one here. And uh, we'll we'll wish everybody a good evening. This is from your partner. He wants your take on Logan Wilson, Eric. I haven't watched any Wyoming. <laughs> <laughs> Lance up there on the frozen tundra of Wyoming. Well, hey, listen up. And Glenn brings up a point here. Please have Eric back. This has been a learning experience for me. We definitely plan on having Eric uh, a lot more involved in. You know, we're going to bring him on as a as a guest here on the podcast try and get him on at least once a week to talk draft leading up to the draft. And he's doing so much work, intensive work on the pre-draft process. we got the shrine game coming up. we got the senior bowl coming up. Then we're going to have combine. Then we're going to have 
you know, uh, pro days galore leading up to the, to the draft. And we'll have Eric involved, keeping you guys plugged in as best we can. So stay tuned for more of that. Oh, Chris jumping in really quick. Where'd he go? Jesus, moving fast. $21 donation on Super Chat. Thank He's you, Chris. He's one of our superstars. Appreciate you, Chris. And also the reigning champion, Eric, of the Mile High Huddle Fantasy Football League. You got some uh, something special coming your way, by the way, on that, Chris, in case you missed that. On the last pod, we got some stuff we're going to send out to you. Um, Lance trying to talk some smack here. You son of a <laughs> All right. Listen up, you guys. Uh, Eric, thanks for joining us tonight, brother, making some time for us and for our listeners and viewers here. Everyone enjoys hearing all this about the draft learning. It can seem like a kind of an information dump. You're trying to, you're hearing names and you're trying to connect faces and teams and players and prospects and it can seem like a lot of information. But the more we talk about this stuff, the more up to date and educated we're all going to be on the draft. And, and so that's why it's so valuable having a guy like Eric come on the show and, and drop some proverbial knowledge. Let me, uh, let me grab this real quick here. Make sure you're following Eric on uh, Twitter, at Eric Trickle. You can see there in the screen my partner, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, and then myself, at Chad and Jensen. And then also, you guys, don't forget, you want to make sure you are following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. But that's going to do it for today, you guys. We'll be back in the saddle, Zach and I, tomorrow night, Monday, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. We'll, figure, we'll see what kind of news emerges as it relates to your Broncos, storylines, topics that we can dive into Monday night. But in the meantime, Eric, my brother, thanks for joining us. Have a great night, man. Yep. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Zach, my dog. We'll talk tomorrow night. Have a good night, Chad. All right, guys. For Eric, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We will talk to you guys tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, 
the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.